Our scripture this morning is from Luke 7, 12 through 15. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow, and with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he was moved with compassion for her and said to her, Do not cry. Then he came forward and touched the buyer, and the bearer stopped. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. This is the word of God. Well, today we're continuing our worship series called Copying Christ. And last week we talked about that Christian life of being imitators of Christ. That, that Christianity is about this, this lifestyle of following Christ and following Christ who taught us, um, who showed us how to live. And today we're going to be looking at the compassion of Christ. Our reading that we heard was a great example among many that we hear about the compassion of Christ. And in the story, Jesus saw her. He was moved with compassion. He felt her pain. And then he, he helped her. He healed the young man, and he did something to ease that hurt. So you kids who've been at discipleship camp, we've been talking about compassion all week, haven't we? So you guys help me. Compassion is, say it out loud, I see your hurt, I feel your hurt, I help to ease your hurt. We've been doing that all week long and looking at different elements of that. So our story began with Jesus saw her. Who caught that Jesus saw her when it was a young man who was brought out? Jesus saw her. So the her was the widow, the mother. And what hurt did he see? Well, clearly there was grief that her son had just died, probably shock. And we know that she's a widow, which means she's had at least one other death in her life. Her husband died. And they say that with each new grief, we process the last grief. So it was probably bringing up all that old grief of her son dying, of her husband dying. <coughs> and then we're told it's a young man. Well, I was talking with someone the other day, and they said, you know, I think my kids were the most difficult at 19, 20 years old. And I know for me, having raised more than one through that age, it was a painful time. They, um, you know, the relationship was rocky at that age. And I wonder if her son died in the midst of that, of that rocky relationship. I have a friend whose son at 19 years old had one of those super rare coronary experiences and just, you know, died very suddenly. And I thought at 19, her last conversation with him was probably not loving and compassionate. It's, a, it's a, such a hard, hard time. And then, I have to assume Jesus saw her fear. Was she afraid? 
widows were not okay in ancient Israel. Widows, women were cared for because the men, her, the, her husband owned property or her son owned property. And if a woman didn't have a husband or a son or a father, there was no one to hold the property. Women couldn't own property. So the system was that the next closest male relative would inherit the property and marry the widow and carry on the family. Except this was totally voluntary and often women were left out. This was a system where many widows suffered and we hear all throughout the Gospels of widows as those living in real dire poverty. So she had this the pain of losing her son and reprocessing the grief of her husband and, and maybe it was a rocky relationship that she was already hurting for and, and then there's the fear of poverty and would she be left behind and would she become a throwaway person? Jesus saw that pain and Jesus felt her pain. <clears throat> We hear that Jesus felt her pain, that he was moved with compassion. And that word in Greek, splatsinomai, is a, is a big feeling word, deep feeling word. Somewhere along the lines, I realized that I got the impression that Jesus was kind of emotionless, um, like a statue, judgmental, but not very full of feeling. But that is not biblical. Scripture tells us over and over and over how Jesus was moved, that he had deep feeling, that he felt her pain. And then he helped to ease her pain. He healed this young man. He raised her son and returned him to her. And in the process revealed that something divine was going on right there. So Jesus saw her hurt, he felt her hurt, he helped to ease her hurt, and we copy Christ. So kids, help me again. I see your hurt, I feel your hurt, I help to ease your hurt. So copying Christ, we see, we start with seeing. One of our evenings was on welcome. And one of the reasons that Christians are called to be so welcoming is then we see people who are different from us. Do you remember that, what would Jesus do back in the 1990s? I heard a speaker who said, I don't like that phrase, what would Jesus do? He said, because it's easy to do what Jesus would do if you're not where Jesus would be says, I much prefer, where would Jesus be? Because Jesus didn't stay home. Jesus went. He went places that were different. He went to people who were not like-minded, who were different class than him. I think that on my hunches, there's people who live here in CUNA um, that see no hurt, you know, they're driving the highway at 55 miles an hour, pull into their driveway, you know, open the garage door, in they go. And they, in there, what they see is there's no pain, there's no suffering in CUNA. But we know that's different because we host the food bank and we see people 
every week who are struggling and who are suffering. We tend to see what we look for. And so as Christians, we look for the pain of others. I'll tell you, when I was a teenager, I don't think I ever saw a person whose knees hurt. And now, several decades later, with permanent knee damage, I'm told, and pretty regular knee pain, I can spot someone with knee pain at a distance by how they move. So we see what we look for. And amazingly, seeing people with knee pain and feeling it, because I know what it feels like, situations present themselves where I can do something to ease their pain. So Jesus saw and we copy, and then Jesus felt. So how would Jesus feel? When we copy Christ, then we catch the feeling of Jesus, that, that feeling of Jesus of compassion. Empathy is when we catch the feeling of another, and so we catch this feeling of Jesus, and that, I think, is a tricky part, because we can be tempted to take our feeling and put it on Jesus, rather than catching Jesus' feeling. There's an old saying that you know you've created God in your own image when God hates all the same people you do. And so we, we catch this feeling of Jesus, this feeling of deep empathy for people's hurt. And when we do that, we let other people's pain get inside us. And then we help to ease their pain. We do something. For those who are close to us, our friends and our family, it might be getting them a glass of water, or cooking dinner, or going grocery shopping for them, writing a note, maybe listening compassionately to them. For people we don't know, but we see their hurt in our community, it's those wonderful acts of charity, the, the, you know, donating food or volunteering at the food bank or, you know, doing the free haircuts for kids. And that helps people who are hurting right now and who need help right now. And then there are, then is looking at what are those, those systems, like the system that didn't work for widows. What are those systems that don't work for people, that leave people out and hurt people, hurt people tomorrow? And then being part of changing those. Jesus defied that system for widows, returned her son to her. Well, we are copying Christ. We do the same changing of those systems. And so we get into the work of racial reconciliation. We get into the work of ending sexism, we get into the work of removing systems that hold people in poverty. Dorothy Day said, we are working to create a world where it is easy to be good. And our world still has things that get in the way. When guns are easier to get than mental health treatment, when in many places dealing drugs is a better job than honest work with less discrimination, when alcohol is cheaper than meds, we have work to do. 
and God is there with us. At our discipleship camp, we spent a whole evening on bravery. Because if we're going to work to ease people's pain, that actually takes bravery. So we did an evening on bravery. The very next day, I'm walking out on the green belt, working on my sermon as I do, because it turns out I listen to God better walking than sitting. And I'm walking along, and a fellow had stopped on his bike. You know, he had his bike right there. And let's say he wasn't wearing, you know, the latest bike fashion clothing. He was dressed pretty roughly. And he has his bike, and he's fooling around with it. And as I walk by, he said, oh, I just need to make an adjustment. And so I walk by, and I'm thinking about stuff. And, and I come back, and he's still, he's still right there. And I think, you're still right in the middle of the pathway? You know, move over. <laughs> I had up that most effective shield against empathy, judgment. <laughs> well, I got close to him, and I looked at him. A little bit of empathy snuck around my shield. And he said to me, he says, oh, he says, I'm just trying to make this adjustment. And he actually moved over a little bit. And I keep walking, and about 30 steps later, I remember I had passed one of those bike tool stations, like just around the corner. And I thought I should go back and tell him. And I didn't right away. I had to take a little bit of time to actually get brave. You know, it's awkward to talk to somebody you don't know. And what if they're snarky? I don't, what is it that I was afraid of? I don't know, but I was. And it took me 10 more steps to go, okay, I can do this. And I turn back and I go back to the fellow and I said, did you know there's a, a bike tool station just right around the corner? And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, no, I did not. And he took his bike over around the corner. But it takes bravery to do those things to help people's hurt. And so copying Christ, we see what Christ sees. We feel what Christ feels. And then we help to ease their pain just like Jesus. And when we do, we feel that compassion of God flowing through us. And we watch God's miracles right in front of us, large and small. At our discipleship camp, we had 14 kids, and they were a rambunctious bunch, and there was some, you know, misbehavior. And at some point, I sat back, and I was looking at them, and I started counting. Those three there have had a parent die. Those, I counted three who have a parent with severe disability. I counted four that I know of who've had Child Protective Services in their life. And I started counting of the 14, 10 had parents with addiction. We had kids with pain. And then I watched the adults who were leading, who saw right through the behavior and saw that pain and then worked to ease it. 
every evening there was like, let's tweak this a little and let's tweak that so the kids can engage and, and be seen and be loved and feel that, that sense of healing that God does. And so they brought these kids together and they saw them and they helped the kids build their own compassion. And you guys are amazing. You learned it so well. Say it again. I see your hurt. I feel your hurt. I help to ease your hurt. And I saw kids over the week being compassionate with each other, inviting people into the circle, soothing each other, helping to calm down when, when other kids got too hyper. They were copying the compassion of Christ and they will take that out into our community now. And when we copy the compassion of Christ, God always shows up with this amazing transforming work and we get to watch it and God is not finished. We copy Christ in our personal lives in so many different ways and we copy Christ as a church community. And we do a lot of wonderful things, and people tell me that all the time, how much they admire this church because of all we do. That we host the food bank, that we host an NA group, that we host a Girl Scout troop, that we do the food drive, and we did the holiday food boxes, that we do funerals for anyone who asks. We're going to have a barbecue next week, where for us it's a potluck, and for everybody else it's a free barbecue with free back-to-school haircuts. We did the discipleship camp for kids. I'm going to be doing a class on parenting, parenting getting down into the heart of parenting. Later on in the fall, I'm going to do a class on soul care for resiliency, for, for hurt that sticks with us. And we're going to have, in just a moment, we're going to have open space. And what I'd like you to do is pray about and then think all the things we do and our church is still vacant more days than not, more hours of the week than not. And are there ways that our church building, our church property, could be used as a source of compassion here in CUNA. So I have sheets up here. If you have an idea, write it down, put it in the basket, or take it back with you, or email it later. The more ideas, the better. And those will all be shared with leadership team um, so that we can start discerning. Are there ways that God continues working through a relatively small church to make a big effect on our community. Would you pray with me? Lord God, your compassion was constant. Help us to see what you see. Help us to feel what you feel. And show us how to help ease the hurt of others. And Lord, in the process, grow our faith. Give us regular glimpses of you. Give us a strong sense 
of your presence with us, that we are filled with joy at copying you in our own lives. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.